0: It's Ross Bain with Role Playing Public Radio. This is RPPR episode 180, Deep Red and Interpreting Clues. And with me is Caleb. Hey. Did you miss announcer voice? Yeah, I did. <laughs> you look so happy about <laughs> announcer voice. We're using webcams for this. So. <laughs> uh, and it's just, oh, man. Um. Yeah, because we've been using them for mix six recordings, and that's been fun. Yeah, um, I just
1: got a new one now. You can see both my
0: chins in 1080p. Oh, ah, yeah, it's didn- actually your room it actually lights your room up, like it, it's capturing more light. So it, like, oh, it's got a cool. ring light. Yeah. So, oh, okay. high, high definition pores Ooh. coming at you. <laughs> oh, it's very nice. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, speaking of mix six, a bit of news. Uh, the mix six. Hey, it's still around. It's a great podcast. You should listen to it. <laughs> uh i feel new like shirt.
1: i have yeah new shirt idea the mix
0: six they're still around yeah. yes <laughs> uh yeah we uh have been recording some really good episodes lately uh we just released one with burke as a guest you know my co-host from my Click radio and uh i've been having a lot of fun uh with them and yeah, if you haven't, it's a it's a really fun variety show. Uh, you don't have to be a beer fan at all. In fact, a lot of our listeners aren't don't even mm-hmm. drink beer because uh, that's not really the point. It's just to talk about funny things like our yeah. living with other humans, uh, where I totally uh, <laughs> talked about. Maddie was very disappointed apparently that I did not reveal all of uh, her flaws. Yeah, I told uh, you, you're still you're still in the fear. You're, yeah, you're still yeah, in the fear zone. <laughs> yeah, you'll get there, buddy. Get, I will. takes time. Yeah. I feel if we had done this episode while Maddie was still here, it would have, be, uh, the answer would have been very different. Uh, so, you know, maybe, maybe next year. Well, uh, yeah, she's
1: perfect. Know. And I love her and yeah. I wouldn't change a thing. That's what it would have been. Cause you're yeah. Fierce <laughs> <though>. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Uh love okay. you, Maddie. Uh, <laughs> for whatever you listen to this episode. So, um, <laughs> Then, uh, but also for RPPR on the RPPR Patreon, um, I've posted the schedule. This is a public post on our Patreon, Patreon patreon.com slash RPPR. Uh, We are, uh, I've already posted the monthly schedule of what, when I'll be live streaming stuff on the Discord. Uh, We're watching a bunch of weird videos. And for uh, Halloween, uh, Saturday, October 31st, uh, I'm going to be marathoning a bunch of public domain horror movies. Uh, I haven't chosen exactly what yet, uh, but uh, probably neither the living dead will show up. Um, but I'm also going to be doing some, trying to do some little skits or some little interstitials in between, little segments with me- other members of the RPBR cast. And I will record this uh, so people who can't miss the live stream can watch it later. But we're going to be, you know, making fun of bad movies, laughing, chat, you know, uh, talking with chat and all this other stuff. And uh, it should be fun um and of course i i have a soundboard and i will use it which i know caleb loves especially Uh, Mm, yeah (laughs) it's gonna be great uh so uh we'll uh uh stick around for that um also um i already planned out that we haven't recorded yet but i know what the next after hours episode is going to be this month uh which is we're going to be talking about rapture the second coming uh a d20 modern source book um that has stats for the rapture uh there's a advanced class for the jesuits for example oh my uh, god and hezbollah there's a hezbollah class in- jesus uh, literally <laughs> um but we're going to be taking that and then we're going to be watching <clears throat> as homework for this episode uh some of the merserapy PBR cast and i are going to be watching um the nicholas cage left behind movie and the question we're going to try and answer in this episode of after hours is how would we stat out Nicholas Cage in that movie using Rapture, uh, the Second Coming D twenty Modern homework but. Christian
1: D anD D <laughs> and Nick Cage uh-huh. three of my favorite things. Uh, turns out I'm busy that whatever day you said that was. I got a lot to do. That really? day that you said that was happening.
0: You're I a little bit curious about watching Left Behind with. No,
1: no, I mean I would probably do that on in the tub. <laughs> that sounds like something would we we would watch in the tub, but not. Yeah, exactly. Man, I could not <laughs> read that. I don't. I don't want to sound prejudiced except for the mm-hmm. obvious prejudice. Mm-hmm. I have never, ever, ever had a good experience with a Christian D and D or Christian RPG group, like. The only thing I've ever had them do to me is like ask me to get out of a room I was doing a panel in five minutes early <laughs> or like hit me with a rolly backpack or talk mm-hmm. about how Christ said that a menstruating woman should not allow to be touched a D twenty, least all roles be natural ones and just crazy tradcath bullshit. And I've not had a good experience. So I cannot imagine that book is gonna be a fun read considering hezbollah is apparently a class
0: yeah it's about all the holy warriors of the world fighting against <laughs> satanists or something um yeah good luck with that one <laughs> yeah this is like a 2003 rpg book so you know it's it's just right in the d20 shovelware era um so yeah i uh i just i
1: just never look at mike pence and be like you know what would make him better if he was pretending to be an elf it's just <laughs> i just don't think it would fix anything You'd just be a shitty elf that no one liked or what well i mean
0: d20 doesn't d20 modern doesn't even technically have elves normally it's about playing in modern day games with d20 rules because that's you just put d20 on everything that's that's, that's what even more depressing yeah <laughs> i can't yeah. think of anything more depressing <laughs> i mean there was d20 call of cthulhu there's d20 like they just had like it was a whole thing back in the early 2000s of mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. d20 modern uh especially i did some d20 modern freelance work i did a um, I think my maybe the low point of my professional career was writing a D twenty modern prestige advanced class whatever you call them for the Buffalo Hunter of uh, the Civil War. So like or Buffalo Soldier. Uh, yeah, Too
1: very different. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, it was the Buffalo Soldier. Yeah, so um, or D twenty Jack the Ripper uh, stuff. So yeah. <laughs> yeah it was uh not it did not pay very well i did not work very hard on that (laughs) kill kill 1d 20 wretches per night yeah um so uh but anyways uh it's uh october we should talk about spooky things and um not too long ago i watched a great horror movie on shutter uh i mean it's all out there. Actually, when I was looking up public domain horror movies, uh, this is supposedly a public domain horror movie. I'm not. I, I don't believe that. But uh, anyways, uh, Deep Red, uh, directed by Dario Argento, uh, probably one of the, or maybe even the best Italian horror movie ever made. Uh, well, there's a lot of shit that's fucked up with Italian movie rights. Mm-hmm. It
1: could be. It could be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: um, who knows? But there's a really good transfer of it. A really good version of it on Shudder. Very HD. Very crisp um and uh it's certainly worth watching if you haven't seen already and also this episode is going to be just nothing but spoilers about this movie so if you have not seen this movie um and you were planning to watch it don't listen to this episode go watch the movie then listen to this episode because i'm gonna like the whole movie is a lot better if you don't know what 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 the twists are before going in but i mean caleb Uh, overall you you want to
1: imagine the film imagine every surface of your home and the outside world and everywhere you've ever gone is made of marble. Cause that's <laughs> the setting of this film. Yeah. Just, uh, I think all of the characters either died or became serial killers cause they were so pissed about their shin splits. Just everyone <laughs> walking around in this, uh, like Acropolis that looks like a fucking Smithsonian wing. Just, oh man, the architecture <laughs> in that film is just, Oh God, the architecture. Did you want stone? How about more stone? Mm-hmm. We got some glass because you need something to put in your eyes. Yeah. It's set in stone.
0: <laughs> uh, but you like the movie. Uh, yes,
1: yeah. it's very good. It's it's. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's Argento. I was never familiar with Argento before I met you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, he's kind of but a cult. you, Yeah, well, he, he won me over with Monkey Straight Razor. And uh, <laughs> this, certainly dis- yeah, yeah. this one certainly dis- didn't disappoint mm-hmm. in uh, regards of that craziness. Um, My favorite thing is the I know we're not talking about this for the full episode, Mm -hmm. but just the bananas. Don't look at it. Don't worry about it. We're going to go right past it of our main character is just a pianist (laughs) solving a series of murders because because he can. (laughs) And I don't mean like. He keeps stumbling into clues. I mean, like he's breaking into places. <laughs> he's scaling for wall. He's shooting people.
0: Cause, you know, yeah. Got pianist crime solving um,
1: skills. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that another reason why I wanted to talk about this movie, cause if there's ever been a Call of Cthulhu scenario uh, turned into a movie, it's this. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like this is like, like you're like a. Again, like a very eclectic group of characters are solving this murder. Like nobody talked to anybody when made, doing character generation. Like they are just like, "Yeah, I'm a I'm a reporter. That that works for. I'm a pianist. I'm a musician." They're like, uh, yeah, I guess
1: we should do the setup. So like at yeah. the beginning, they have a famed Our
0: spoilers are here. So this is yeah, the they have, have a famed
1: from. Polish psychic come mm. into town. and She's been invited by the local. I don't know.
0: Weird weird i don't know what those two guys jobs are like um well this is back in the 70s psychic stuff was really fashionable back then so uh well yeah so good.
1: men yeah. in italian tight white pants that go around doing cryptozoology and whatnot so they invite mm-hmm. the they invite the polish lady to an intensely red theater mm-hmm. um and they have her do a psychic reading and she does a psychic reading for someone in the audience who is a serial murderer Mm -hmm. um but can't identify who it is so she goes home and uh there's a pianist who did he attend the creepy psychic thing or was he just walking home
0: i think he was just walking home i think he had no idea about this he just yeah was drinking so yeah
1: yeah so the the pianist was walking home past the 40 foot tall greco Roman statue that is located outside his house He talks to his like favorite wino fail son neighbor as he's passed out in a fountain and then it's Dario Argento. So, you know, that Polish psychic bitch is getting thrown through some glass. eye first, <laughs> uh, so she dies in very Dario Argento way. And the rest of the film is like pianist. wino fail son? And, uh, random intrepid reporter gal just go out to- to solve this murder, fuck the cops. Just forget them. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the cops are pretty useless. Uh, yeah,
1: show up and then they're just like, uh, "I'm gonna go investigate this." And then they rope in uh, professional uh, ghost hunters or whatever the hell the people are who invited the the psychic lady. And it's yeah, the friends of the
0: associates of the psychic lady. Yeah, like and and of- the basic premise of the film is
1: they know what her prediction and reading of the serial killer's mind was. Um And it, they basically have that memorized verbatim and then they go about through a variety of like library use checks and various mm-hmm. other things trying to figure out uh, who killed their, their psychic guest
0: mm-hmm. uh, as
1: well, the, as the serial killer begins killing as many of them as
0: possible. Right. <laughs> uh, so in the process. Yeah. The, the, the film is actually, I mean, it, the script, it's easily the best in Argento's career because uh, the story is very, very i mean there's no there's no unanswered questions like every every question it raises it answers um like yeah it's not it's not
1: entirely suspiria dream logic
0: yeah yeah it's very Uh, real world like murder mystery with the Um, exception of the psychic lady (laughs) well the thing is the psychic lady like yeah her power is uh, genuine that's the only supernatural thing because she uh basically the reason why the killer goes after the psychic is the psychic like knows who it Reveal. is. Yeah. Well, kind of. She didn't yeah. know who it was exactly. You know someone in the audience, but the killer is threatened enough by that to kill the psychic to to silence her. Mm-hmm. Um but the this movie is very famous for the opening scene because it has this sort of very clever film twist. Well very clever film twist where um the scene where the 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 main character, the jazz pianist, um is looking at he's on the street, he looks up, see the window, sees the woman get murdered, uh get attacked, and she's like, oh shit. And so he goes in the building to try and save her and um he goes into her apartment which has a very long hallway with lots of paintings on it and there's a point of there's a brief like 4 or 5 second pov shot of the jazz penis running down this hallway you're seeing it through the penis eyes and you're seeing all these paintings and then you get to the body and um so you're just like okay well this is this is all happening and then later on, the jazz pianist um, goes back to the crime scene after the cops have been called. And he's like, you know, I saw there's a painting that was here when I first entered the building, when I first entered the apartment. But it's not here now. What happened to that painting? Uh-huh. And, yeah. And that's the crux of the thing That in terms of games. So, like, the reason I want to talk about this movie, because this is sort of like um you know you and i have both run a lot of gumshoe games and mystery games in general and robin law sort of uh designed gumshoe to sort of resolve this this sort of th- problem in game design or running scenarios where like what's the difference between finding clues and interpreting them and so because a lot of gms i think feel have a lot of problem running good mystery games the good satisfying mysteries and they just think if you get all the clues it it's just handed to you on a silver platter when realizing it's like you get information but it's ambiguous about what it means and that's the Mm -hmm. challenge so like the central conflict of this movie is this jazz pianist trying to figure out what that meant why is it why was there a painting there at the beginning and why isn't there now and he's trying and the whole movie keeps going back to this several times and it's a result very satisfactorily at the end of the movie but like that's sort of the brilliance of the movie is that you're like huh because the thing is, Argento plays very fairly. If you the second time you watch the movie, you're like, "Ah, I know what that meant," and like uh-huh. you, you catch it, so uh, because you know how to interpret the clue. Um, so uh, uh, for me, that that's sort of like the 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 most interesting thing in the year. so. Um, did you see any other examples of this sort of uh, 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 dynamic working in the movie that really stood out to you of, like, finding clues versus interpreting? Like, um, I know, for example, like, finding clues, they, like, you could, in Gumshoe, say, like, another thing the killer has is there's there's a bit of children's music that plays. And, yeah. uh, like, the jazz pianist figures out what song it is um he just like is a he's a musician he recognizes music so he goes and gets some records of children's songs he's like and listens to them He's like it's that one so what the um, fuck does that mean yeah. <laughs> like that that's a clue um
1: uh the christmas tree inside the wall with mm-hmm. the body that that yeah. was a great clue um, oh yeah especially later uh <laughs> the fucking <laughs> okay this This is the most fantastic part of the movie to me. Mm -hmm. So he's a pianist and she's a journalist. Of course, they break into a middle school in the dead of night. (laughs) And they go into the the archives of the middle school where they have saved every drawing of every student (laughs) for 50 fucking years dating back to the war, which was just. I can't wait to go in like to grade one Sunday and just find Cthulhu investigators going through our archives of student work, which is I guess that's a European thing. But um, the uh, yeah, so basically the killer turns out not to be the killer uh, has made, you know, murder psycho drawings Mm -hmm. uh, of when he was a child. Uh, and that also reveals it for For me. Like, I really think the strength of this in terms of like, if we're going to gamify it is mm-hmm. like, if you're going to do red herrings, this is how you do it. Mm-hmm. And you do it by anchoring it in a mystery that isn't resolved. So it lets your players know this is not the end. And you haven't reached the false conclusion. Mm-hmm. Like, cause at multiple points, he thinks he has it figured out, but then, he goes back to, cause all the other clues fit. Like when he, when he finds the drawing, it fits with the scene he found in the house with the dead guy. And then he fits in that, but then it always goes back to that painting and there's no explanation for it. Art mm-hmm. always goes back to like, Oh, this event and that doesn't square with it. Like the, the, the interesting part about it to me is that the entire film is basically chasing red herrings. Mm-hmm. Um, but He learns they are red herrings precisely because uh, he has these these clues that cannot be squared with the rest of the narrative Mm -hmm. until he gets to the very end and finds out who it actually is. So for me, that's what I found super interesting about it, because I like the idea like. I don't know. You said spoilers. I feel like if people were just like, oh, that thing you thought was a painting was actually a mirror and a painting. Like, I feel like people would be like, I can't tell the difference between a mirror when I was like, I feel like people might call you bullshit on that because uh, players really hate to have their perceptions mm-hmm. fucked up if there wasn't a role. And that's part of where that uh, interpretation of the clue comes from. was mm-hmm. that their perception was wrong. Um, But I do really like the idea of like, Oh, you found the killer except it doesn't make a lot of sense why this happened then. Or except they couldn't have done this version. They could they could have done the other three, but they couldn't have done this killing. Like mm-hmm. I think that is that is an interesting way to make a detailed layered mystery without having the um no red herrings, you know, don't mm-hmm. get caught in a a loop of wasting time kind of thing. Um mm-hmm. because that's that's the problem with a lot of gaming. They feel like Anything spent not directly moving towards the plot is going to be you know faffing about and dithering and uh unnecessarily lengthen the game, mm-hmm. whereas I think it could be very interesting to have these sort of red herrings, but then at the end, okay, that interpretation doesn't quite fit um because here are these leftovers you're looking for some you're looking for a puzzle
0: that uses all of the pieces, you know what I mean, oh yeah, no, that's actually a really good point um and some of these red herrings though i mean. They're, they're red herrings in that they don't resolve who the killer is, but they do provide information. Like they, they, they sort of round out like what, what happened, the story of what it is. Like, um, yeah, g-
1: give your players all of the pieces, mm-hmm. but they have to assemble it into a picture that makes
0: mm-hmm.
1: cohesive sense and doesn't have leftover components. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I think that's an interesting way. It's not so much, can you find the clue? It is, can you take all the clues? and arrange them in a narrative of structure of events mm-hmm. that everything is accounted for. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting if you're just like, well, if you leave out this and this, this makes perfect sense. And so they can be like, just, I don't know. North. I was going to say North Korean cops, but also American cops. They could be like, Hey, there's a guy guys have hands. He's the killer. Like, <laughs> they can do that if they want
0: yeah uh but, but yeah. um i mean and, and the thing about that is if they do that like this movie is also a very good example because it shows every time they fail to interpret the clues correctly the killer strikes again like, yes like and so like escalate things or like tries to kill somebody because there are um yeah they're 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 like so in a game yeah like every every action there's a reaction and so like the killer the killer's motive is very easy to understand. The killer doesn't want to be revealed. And so every single killing um, is uh, basically uh, a way for, to silence, to stop this investigation, uh, which is of course a motivated in part because one player wanted to get an extra fate point or will point or whatever. But like, Oh yeah, I'll take his photo make sure that the, chief witness of the crime has his photo in the newspaper (laughs) yeah which uh was a baller move uh, yeah uh, Yeah. i appreciate like how else would the killer find out uh who the fucking witness is how else are they gonna find out who to kill and uh who they need to kill it's like oh well that makes sense um so um but yeah so when you're designing a game um i guess that that sort of thing is to think about the entire because obviously this was set up with a very elaborate backstory so um yeah as we mentioned spoiler so the killer um is uh this woman uh her son her, she is the mother of the drunk that's the friend of the jazz pianist um and there, that's a red herring is that later towards the movie that the the jazz pianist think it's his drunkard friend but then he's like wait a minute that doesn't make sense because he was with me have, yeah yeah he was not in the apartment and down on the street at the same time which uh, which
1: was like something i said was bullshit in the middle of the movie mm-hmm. like he would know it's not him but like i will appreciate that dark was like well his friend was shooting a gun at him at the time so yeah. that's a pretty strong case that this guy's the killer yeah <laughs> but i could i am glad that like he eventually came to the realize it's like wait that's physically impossible yeah
0: yeah um um and she uh had killed their hus uh the the, the that guy's father or her, her husband a while because ago
1: because he was gonna commit her because she was yeah. crazy pants mm-hmm. uh so she killed him in front of the kid um during christmas while the creepy song was playing which is what the psychic identified mm-hmm. and then um She bricked up and walled up the room where she murdered the dude and just pretended it wasn't in her house anymore. Uh, And then that's where we get extended scenes of uh, our pianist wandering through, you know, desiccated marble building because everything's (laughs) made of marble. Yeah. And um, yeah. And then uh, she raised her son because poorly because she's fucking crazy Mm -hmm. and uh then they went to go see a psychic and the psychic clued in uh which was really on on um here's what i thought was interesting is that she didn't identify when when you actually look at the transcript of what she said she wasn't reading the thoughts of the mother she was reading the thoughts of the wino son
0: oh that's something i didn't pick up on yeah the
1: the thing she said to the wino son Mm-hmm. like was also heard with the music. So like she, the, mm-hmm. the Wino son is the one that gave the thing away. Accidentally.
0: Uh, okay. Um, yeah. But cause he's more tormented by it. That's yeah, why he's, yeah, like, he's the only
1: one who gives a shit. She's yeah. fucking crazy pants. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. So then he tries to cover up for his mom's serial murder. Cause he's pretty fucked up too. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And apparently she is, got some old lady strength i don't like i don't even know she just kills some people like you know how hard it would be to stab a knife through a dude's fucking vertebrae and pin him to a desk she just she just murders the shit out of people in that movie like mm-hmm. she is strong, yeah, she's strong she's jumping fences
0: she's stealthy like she's man. got that crazy ass doll uh in yeah. a great scene oh uh, god that thing that was the legitimately the
1: scariest part of the film to me. Like that, like when that thing came out on cause, I was like, "Fuck no, nope, nope."
0: Yeah, it nope. just moves wrong. Yeah,
1: that was awful. Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: Um, but the whole thing is, and the way it all comes back at the beginning is, um, the jazz pianist is. So again, he can't re- figure out why this painting is missing, but then he goes back towards the end, and he's looking at the hallway, and he realizes that he wasn't looking at a painting. He was looking at the reflection of a painting, uh, through a mirror that was on the wall. And, but when he looks at that painting, there's a gap where a face should be. And she, he realized that the killer was standing in front, still in front of the painting, mm-hmm. looking like part of the painting, like camouflage yeah. essentially. And so he saw the face of the killer without even realizing it. And Argento shows you the face of the killer. And, yeah. uh, yeah, and the and the mother's really good at playing a normal person. Like she shows up like for several scenes, it's kind of like comedic relief. She plays this mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm just kind of clotsy, uh, you know, just yeah. like uh uh very very helpless. Um and yeah, it, and it's 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 very satisfying, like, oh shit, that's it. Um and so, again, that that's the like he had the clue and he just couldn't interpret it until all until it was almost too late. Um, but there are times in the movie where it, just finding the clue is challenging, too. Um, I guess the biggest example of that is the steam. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. That was some uh, pretty
1: classic, uh, like, old school dime novel murder mystery stuff. Like, yeah. Write the name of the killer on the mirror and the steam or something like that.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, is that what she uh, the victim wrote on the on the wall? um she wrote the name
1: of the killer on the linoleum Mm -hmm. but (laughs) it was learned by uh you know professional cryptozoologist psychologist psychiatrist inviter i don't know what the fuck his job was uh and then he couldn't call them because they were out he was out wandering around in the uh 80th abandoned manse per, per in the film. Mm-hmm. And then while he was failing to call them, he did not think to like write it on a note or anything. <laughs>
0: oh so, yeah. So he gets killed. Yeah. yeah.
1: So she comes to
0: murder him. Yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, that was uh, a very good. Yeah. So she gets the, the one victim gets killed. Um, because she knows some information doesn't even realize the significance of it, but she writes something on, on uh, uh it's a steamy bathroom and she writes it on the little manolium and the other guy figures it out. So he found, so just finding the clues, a, a challenge and then like, obviously was going to solve the case, but then he gets murdered. Uh, well, like
1: you can still be satisfying even with bullshit. Like <laughs> one mm-hmm. of the guys who invited like psychologists, like what he's like, yeah, I just, it was odd. It was like, well, I think we should be looking for a more supernatural explanation. I read a book once called The Black Woods and the Mance about a screaming voice that was heard in an abandoned house. And then he goes to the library, which of course looks like an art museum and everything else. And he's (laughs) like he gets the book and he finds this picture of this house and this like folklore story and local legend about uh, they just heard a, a, a child screaming, but the house has been abandoned for a long time. And so he rips out the page of the book and then just starts driving around Italy, <laughs> trying to find it. And then one of the trees in the picture is very odd. So he goes to are these arborists in Italy. And then one of them like, yeah, I donated this house. And so he continues just randomly driving around Italy until he gets to this house that happens to be the house that the mother and the son lived in when they killed the father, and the scream that people heard was the kid Mm. when his dad got stabbed. And that is just, like, the most ridiculous chain of stupid, (laughs) dumbass coincidences. (laughs) Like, it's like, yeah, I wonder what's going to happen. It's like, this me of an old, dusty book I read once that has nothing to do with what we're talking about but it will be the clue that cracks the case and then that guy never shows up in the film again he's literally like read this book of ghost stories and he disappears from the narrative um, yeah i mean that's like, like that, a that... super satisfying ending because it's not so much the mystery's not about finding clues you get the clues however mm-hmm. no any amount of bullshit is fine to get the clues your players will still feel accomplished if they can mm-hmm. make them all fit into a coherent pattern, mm-hmm. um, which I mean is at least true of the narrative of the film because that was the most wackety schmackety do clue reveal I've ever fucking seen. I'm like, oh, here comes the red herring, and then like as he keeps investigating this fucking house, I'm like, was that really was that really it? Was that? Was that the lead
0: they needed? I read this book of ghost stories once that I half remember. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, it, yeah, that is, that that was a stretch. But like, I mean, in game terms, that's like, you know, when you're running a game and players like, can I just spend a point of? Uh, I'll spend three points of a call. Give me something. It's like, God damn it. Uh, fine. There's a book. <laughs> yeah, of I spent four stories. points of folklore to find the serial murderer. I yeah. all right. I guess. Um. <laughs> yeah uh it was very good though because like yeah because the guy has to go the the jazz pianist has to visit the house twice to figure it all out and like has to do some fucking urban well, exploration when you have like that as a set yeah. you want oh yeah you want to get your money out of it oh yeah no it's very good because they like find he finds a hidden mural on the wall and chips away at it finds a hidden room in it and he has to like climb over uh like the place uh, has a 40 foot tall oval window
1: to hell in the main (laughs) stairwell. Yeah. It's yeah. The, the places people live in this film is just bananas. Like, is that how everyone was living in 1970s in Italy? Cause Jesus Christ. Yeah. Ridiculous.
0: Not bad, huh? Just Uh, the
1: sound of Italian loafers against marble (laughs) would be all you could hear. Like, yeah click
0: click 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 click, click. <laughs> um so yeah i guess uh, uh um in terms of uh, uh going back to like art rpgs um so as a gm like once you figure out the backstory then it's easy to like lead players to clues that provide information about that but um i guess then the problem is like how to make sure players can interpret them correctly like um i mean i think that the standard thing is just provide escalating things every time they fail uh they fail to interpret something like have uh something bad happen but then give them more information you know every time somebody gets murdered they're like well i guess we learn something from that mm-hmm. um but yeah um i don't like if you were designing this kind of scenario like something sort of inspired or set in in deep red or like in this style of horror um what what where do you think would you start would you start with like the backstory and kind of work your way forward or uh, look at what the players are wanting to do in terms of like their characters, because again, like very eclectic group of player characters—you know, psychic, jazz pianist, reporter, uh, parapsychologist, psychologist—I'd probably work backwards.
1: So you you want a coherent narrative before you start, because mm-hmm. really, a mystery is about deconstruction and reconstruction. It's mm-hmm. it's the the narrative is not so much the mystery it is reconst- the the narrative is procedural mm-hmm. and it's a reconstruction of a different story so you need the story that you're going to shatter into pieces and make into clues first um, mm-hmm. but once I did that I'd probably make it so once I had my narrative it was um, split into enough clues that it would be very difficult for one person to hold it in their head at all at once Mm -hmm. um and i'd probably make sure that either through every instance or like at least starting at like clue three or four that there is an explanation that will fit all of those clues so Mm -hmm. like if you are thinking of these three clues together it's obviously the butler Mm -hmm. but then if you forgot about the fourth clue then oh it's probably the butler's wife oh and the fifth clue is like oh well it's probably not at all it's probably the crime cartel. Like, if I was going to make a deep red mystery, I'd probably make it to where you would only get the right answer if you could coherently add these this number of clues that is too big for your average person to hold in their head at once Mm -hmm. um, to get to the real story. But I would have plausible explanations for you to fuck up uh, through every other combination of clue you could arrange. Okay, Um, yeah. Kind of like Nagali C two, but if you leave anything out, you're just going towards a different wrong answer. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and you need to combine them all in a certain order or something of that. Because mm-hmm. uh, that that if I was going for something constructed by Deep Red, that that seems to be the case. Because he's really punished every time he. He doesn't he's punished every time he's like, well, this fits, except for that painting. And then somebody else dies. Yeah. Yeah. Like he can't integrate the painting. Or he nearly
0: gets killed. Like the killer comes after him once. Uh, yeah. Yeah. On. So, yeah. Um
1: And so really it would be about the group, like, since there is too much for everyone to remember at once, mm-hmm. you know, the group proposing, well, I think it's this, because this, this, and this makes sense. And then hopefully someone's like, yeah, but what about why? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that that would be my first impulse if I was trying to make something like that. I make think the narrative break it yeah. apart, but then make plausible answers for any number of clues beneath.
0: Yeah, the pivotal like number, like, like you say, like the kid. You know, the most ridiculous, like one of the more ridiculous clues was like finding the kid's art. You know. 30 years after he was the, uh, a student there, 20 years or whatever. Yeah. Um, but like say, well, the kid was attended that school and he was troubled. So there's going to be all kinds of evidence left behind, like interviews with other people who were at the school at the time or. Well, I uh, mean, there's like all sorts other part.
1: stuff. Like he finds the picture yeah. with the kid and the stab wounds and the Christmas tree in the background. And mm-hmm. the Christmas tree is also in the background on the mural. And it's also in that room he finds with the sealed up dead dad. Mm-hmm. but if he does math in his head that means the kid stabbed his dad when he was like fucking seven and at which point really like he's got yeah. those kind of ups <laughs> like <laughs> your your fourth grade son managed to slit your throat and wall you up inside of a room like yeah. man he was a, he started early like that <laughs> how'd the mother yeah, go that,
0: along with that yeah that doesn't make yeah, their
1: no. shit yeah how'd the, and then that's the thing like you got to find because mm-hmm. the way red herrings normally work is they're surplus. Y- there's a clue number you need to solve it, mm-hmm. and like call it seven. But then clues eight and nine lead you astray down a path that doesn't exist. There's surplus clues um, that that muddle things. Uh, whereas this would be like, okay, you need a number. You don't know what that is, but every clue is in any combination is going to lead you towards something wrong, except. Mm-hmm the number you need to put together yeah um so you're kind of get people thinking there are red herrings like oh this clue this clue is superfluous this clue is exceptional if i do this we're going to be wasting time in the game so let's focus on the main things who gives a shit about this fucking painting missing this guy has motive opportunity time you know all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. uh, but then you're kind of reversing the formula like you're sort of trained people on mysteries and games to ignore things that are superfluous to the plot. Uh, whereas in this case, like the thing that was keeping you from the mystery is that there is nothing superfluous to the plot. Like you mm-hmm. should have integrated the painting in there or yeah, uh, the weird kid
0: song didn't make sense or, you know, um, like one thing that uh, early on in the movie that the jazz pianist sort of like picks up on Carl uh, on the, the drunkard. Uh, it's like, where's, where, where is he? And he tracks him down and it's very suspicious. Like, well, what's he doing? But then you find out and he figures out that this is a red herring uh, that uh, the, the drunkard friend is actually just gay and he was visiting his boyfriend and like mm-hmm. is closeted. So he's, he's keeping that a secret. So at first it seemed that very, that was very suspicious. but was like, oh, okay. Well, that's so like that's an example of a, a red herring that could be mm-hmm. uh, the, the, that he figured out on his own without anybody having to get murdered. But um, yeah, that 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 is sort of the clue. Finding the right clues that fit uh, and uh, ignoring the rest. Um, I do also think, especially with this one, is um, not just the, the the mystery, but also like to make it memorable. You also need to give it style. Like I think a, a stylish game, uh, a game with unique sort of things, um, are is more memorable. The one where it's just a bad guy or a you know bad guy with knife or bad guy with sword or you know gun or mo- you know uh, uh, like. Like we mentioned, the kills of this movie. I wouldn't
1: directly adapt Deep Red unless, like, you're LARPing it, and you all have very high-collared shirts and,
0: uh,
1: (laughs) like, zip-up boots and you exist in a world made solely of marble. Um, Yeah, but, like, yeah, you could do something like this with, like, a ghost story. That would work Mm -hmm. really well. Like, if you have to put the spirit to rest, you gotta find its real killer or who upset its grave or something mm-hmm. like that um so you could do a lot of stuff with the basic premise mm-hmm. um but but yeah uh
0: just well, well in somebody's terms of what killing
1: the- these random italian people doesn't make
0: <laughs> right right well but like the killer has a unique mo and style like not just mm-hmm. um like they they have a portable Uh, audio player to play that children's song every time they kill yeah Uh, and then like the way that the kills are made are very like stylish and unique like the one with the doll like there's a little like automaton doll that walks out just to to distract one of the victims so this killer can sneak up behind them um and stab him with his own knife uh which was quite quite baller (laughs) but um like yeah as we've been describing the city and the fashion and everything else it's a very unique and distinct and particular place and the killer also we never like the killer never makes random kills like every single murder is done to further the agenda of the killer and like Mm -hmm. and it's never like the killer never has information that was deus ex machina like got the name from the newspaper or the the killer knew what she had done so like she knew who was involved so he's like oh i need to shut her up i need to sh- yeah then like well, i
1: mean sometimes she like again old lady is a ninja like at the <laughs> at the house where she killed the guy the lady who could identify her she sees a professional psychic hire dude figure it out mm-hmm. and leave the home and then it's just it's the Argento first-person killer camera. It's just she's just suddenly in the courtyard, and then she sees and identifies him, and then she just sort of teleports away. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, she yeah. is. She is very fucking stealthy. Um, yeah, and uh, it's very fucking good. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it, it, like give it, give it a little, you know, panache is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I guess when you're running this kind of uh, a game, um, give the give the the the, the villain. Um, and, uh, and again, supernatural elements can be very, very, very minor, or they can be very large. Uh, like having just, yeah, they're psychics, why not? Uh, this one's dead, I guess we're all, you gotta do everything the old-fashioned way. No? I, I
1: do think something like this would benefit from pre-gen characters, because mm-hmm. then it's easier to, if, if the goal is to give them all the clues and watch them, watch them try to interpret it, mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to figure out how you're going to reveal that ev- evidence. If mm-hmm. you know the identity of people before you're writing it. Mm-hmm. So either yeah, like make true. characters first or give them pregens um, or else you're going to yeah. have, you know, I don't think, I don't think Argento did that. Cause his pianist was like, you know, breaking into middle schools
0: and stuff like that. Uh Yeah. So yeah, no, that's fair. Um, definitely this requires a little more work than just sort of throwing improv things. But um, I mean, this framework, we've been talking about using Gumshoe for it, uh, but this would work for any, any almost pretty much any system uh, that sort of supports murder investigations or mystery. I mean, like you yeah. could
1: just do what everyone did in Cthulhu before Gumshoe, which is just give them the core clues without a roll, and then.
0: Yeah hidden yeah. to
1: not get stabbed to death yeah
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh i mean this is the, the, the definitely the scenario we need to have easy ways to have backup characters because <laughs> you know like aside from the jazz pianist everyone there's there's a there's a rotating cast of investigators <laughs> well the uh, jazz
1: pianist and the random guy who recommends folklore books yeah he's fine
0: <laughs> yeah uh but the reporter you know uh the yeah the the parapsychologist like all these people they they oof um but yeah so uh it's well worth watching uh and we if you have any questions about running investigative games please let us know in the comments or ask on our discord uh we'll be happy to uh, discuss this further but uh when we get back we'll have more we'll have some shout outs And we're back uh, with after some music that I have yet to choose. Um, well, I'll figure that out later. Anyways, uh, <laughs> let's talk about some shoutouts, outs, some things we've been playing, watching, reading, all that fun stuff. Uh, let's start with a game. Both you and I uh, have played a fair amount and might say addicted. That might be too strong a word, but Slay the Spire. I was definitely playing it while we were doing RPGs earlier today. oh, so. Yep. I think the, the right word yeah um yeah slay the spire is a roguelike deck building card game that's available on basically anything that is computerized these days um you're it's dungeon crawling you're going up a tower slaying monsters getting treasure trying to get to the top uh, there's not really a story just get to the top and there's every character class has a different type of deck Um, and, uh, but it's very addicting because every, every character type plays very differently. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's the daily challenge mode. There's a, there's a hard mode called Ascension mode, which gets really fucking hard, really fucking quickly. I haven't beat normal mode yet. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've gotten to like Ascension two or three and then I was like, no, this is not fun anymore. (laughs) Uh, so I've just been doing daily mode, uh, daily challenges, which are, uh, just, they get pretty silly. Have you tried daily challenges yet?
1: I have not. I keep telling myself I'm gonna do the main story yet, but I yeah. I just got to level four and I I can't beat level four. Something always goes
0: wrong. Wait, did you try to get to the heart? Yeah, yeah. Oh wow, yeah. No, actually, I have not done the heart myself. I I tried once. I was like, no, this is meh. So I've I've just beaten. I've just gotten to the to, yeah. I've gotten to the heart before, but I've not beaten the heart myself.
1: Oh so no, yeah. I've
0: gotten to the heart
1: like three times, but I can't. Mm-hmm. can't finish the deal it's yeah, yeah you really need those little pinnacle guys with the spear and the one with the shield those oh the guardians suck. yeah yeah but, yeah
0: yeah those guys are, are pretty hard you have to have a pretty ridiculous deck something mm-hmm. really broken uh um, yeah to, yeah um which requires the right kind of drops uh for mm-hmm. it's randomized uh you, you don't get to you it's deck building but it's not like you build a deck at the beginning it's like you get a standard deck type and then like you get choices of like three different cards per encounter to uh and you can't remove cards except through very special circumstances so it's uh yeah
1: it's uh it's just perfectly addicting like yeah it's, <laughs> it's the perfect length it's the mm-hmm. perfect matter of engagement it's like the perfect abdignation game like i just constantly have it on the background it is uh it obsesses me it is very very good so yeah i'm probably going to go play some after this
0: uh yeah perfectly honest yeah uh well but there's a uh, another game you've been playing that uh has not uh well it's also addicting too but you just got that right i just got this uh it's hades it's uh very very
1: interesting uh it's another roguelike and it's sort of the it looks i mean i don't want to say isometric because it's not turn-based by any means it's Mm -hmm. very much a dash around and slash kind of game it mm-hmm. kind of reminds me of ruiner if you like reskinned ruiner away from cyberpunk and towards greek myth mm-hmm. um but it is interesting in that while it is a roguelike it uh it is from supergiant games so the soundtrack rules like i didn't know i needed uh theremin lyre, metal in my life but i do uh it's a very very cool soundtrack um, and then what's really interesting is that the, it, I don't want to say dating sim, but like, I don't know what else you would call it. Like, between runs, everyone comments on the runs you just made or runs you've made in the past. Like, if you find a boss, the boss knows that's not the first time they fought you. Like, when you go back to the start because you died, like, Hades, who is your dad, is just like, yeah, it's hell. You can't escape. That's why. <laughs> That's why it's hell. <laughs> Stop trying. Uh, like, or or will just be like, oh, the night witches got you that time, huh? You should try shooting them. And you're like, thanks, hypnosis, you dick. Like, you, it's it's very much got like Mass Effect. Talk to your buddies around the ship scenes in between mm-hmm. your runs, um, which is good because what most roguelikes lack is any sense of like weight or stakes in your story because you are mm-hmm. just going to. Endlessly do the same fucking thing over and over and over again, um but Hades does the cool thing, in that you do have some some level of persistent drop, like you have you can maintain certain things between a run um and then you're constantly interacting with your your cousins and nieces and brothers and sisters in the Greek pantheon, and like talking to them will change the way they feel about you, and you will reveal more story um mm. and all that stuff is very interesting. It gives uh, far more weight and stakes to what is essentially just run around and slash shit of a general mm-hmm. roguelike. So um, good soundtrack and, and a very interesting story in between mm-hmm. the, yeah. And, and from what Twitter is, you know, uh, whatever his name, Zagros or whatever their main character's name is, just very strong himbo energy. So
0: himbos are, are big in
1: 2020. Pe-
0: that's kind of what I got on uh, Twitter is people are very thirsty for him and the rest of the Hades cast in by extension people, people be thirsty for those, those characters.
1: Yeah. Not, not why I'm playing it, but uh, the, it is very well written. It's extremely well narrated. I mean, these are the people who did bastion. So mm-hmm. of course, uh, and, and the story is interesting. I haven't gotten very far at all yet, but, um, but yeah, it's, I, I think, uh, you know, the reason they are thirsting after him is not just the art. It's that, mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of character development, which you don't get mm-hmm. when you're just throwing Shovel Knight through hell again or whatever <laughs> else you're doing in a roguelike.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um yeah, I like it. Okay. Cool. Um, Shovel Knight is not a roguelike, by the way. It's oh, just my God. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I mean, say the Spire would be a better example, because there's... Like yeah, yeah. Okay. That- <laughs> All right. Just um but speaking of uh very interesting characters uh another game i think we both played uh is carrion uh which is on <laughs> yeah, game deep Cast-
1: characterization <laughs> in that one. hungry one out you're a mess of intestine tentacles uh
0: Eat i like people. I, prefer, I prefer to think this is the prequel to for meatwad uh because <laughs> you are a giant meatball man thing swarm and uh you're hangry it is you're very hangry you're very hungry and angry at the same time and you want to get out and it's a really fun metroidvania uh um, yeah
1: yeah oh man they need a fuck they need a mini map though jesus christ God, yeah 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 if yeah. you want a game that you are going to get cripplingly lost in it is scary because yeah it yeah. is wonderful with the exception of that but like
0: mm-hmm.
1: by hour like three and a half i'd done everything i just couldn't fucking find where i needed to go next mm-hmm. and i just spent like an hour one day wandering every level systemically <laughs> to like try and find the one thing i missed uh yeah uh but it is very good uh the the part i like about it best is like when you're when you're not just trying to survive and you're not just like trying to get through this area to go something else hmm you're the monster and you want to kill these people in the most cinematic way possible like that's the best that's when the game is great for me like Mm -hmm. yeah i could just run through there but how great would it be if i just shot a signal and grabbed this guy screaming through a vent while all of his friends fire hopelessly at the wall i've already escaped behind like yeah uh yeah the really like staging it like the monster from the thing is the best part of it
0: Um yeah I, I definitely agree with you, the other mini map thing. Um I got lost. I had to go online and look up maps to figure out my route. cuz like especially early on like the areas look a lot alike. There are all these industrial like ruins yeah. and wastelands and factories and shit like that and it's just like oh my god, I don't I don't know where to go. <laughs> uh and the game does no hand holding. It's just like, yeah, <laughs> go here maybe. Uh do uh, what what's your objection? Yeah. You know, um uh but it's still incredibly fun it's on game pass if you have that if not it's only like 15 20 bucks um i good soundtrack good soundtrack good soundtrack i also i think my favorite part though wasn't necessarily the can just the movement the character your character moves so fast and just in a fun way because like you just sort of like i was just using the mouse and keyboard to play and i just hold the mouse go this way and it just like tentacles would sprout out grab the right things and just kind of move and you're just moving this massive shaga thing and it just kind of like figures its own way through the little tunnels it'll squeeze through tights yeah the
1: animation is like how i imagine like ganglia and red markets and stuff moving Mm -hmm. and like yeah the animation for like taking a thing that should not be able to ambulate and then making it move faster than it should be able to move at all and fit in smaller things and fit in like yeah uh that is that is really well done it is i mean it's devolver but like it's a very very well done animation. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All yeah, re-
0: only- when you kill somebody is also mm-hmm. very good. Yeah. I hope they add more to it. I hope there's DLC or something for it. Cause like, I think the, the base game, the only, yeah, it's, it's a very short game. Like even with getting lost and uh, yeah, only, it's, but, it's
1: three and a half hours. If you know what you're doing, like, yeah. yeah, it's very fast.
0: I do want to see speed runs for it though. That, would, that I think that's going to be really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, that will be fun. Um, but uh, also speaking of spooky things, you've been reading a spooky book.
1: Uh, yeah. So I've mentioned uh, the Fisherman before, which is a really great cosmic horror novel mm-hmm. uh, by John Langan. And now I'm starting to work through his short stories mm-hmm. and they're not short. Uh, <laughs> uh, first off, I really like John Langan because he is a professional academic. Mm-hmm. So when he does like Cthulhu, I found the monster in the archives kind of shit it has a higher level of verisimilitude than a lot of other authors. Um, and there's a lot of those stories in this collection, but I've, I've been reading the wide carnivorous sky, Mm -hmm. um, which is a good collection of his. Um, but Langan is first and foremost, a literary writer. Like he, he made it like he, he made his bones teaching MFAs and, um, you know, writing workshop stories and stuff. So he has, uh a very solid foundation for description and characterization and and stuff of that before he just decided to say fuck it and become a horror writer and then became successful um but as a result like he's never met a short story he couldn't turn into a novella so it's really like for a book of short stories there's like i think there's bailey i think there's eight or nine in there because they're all twenty thousand words at the absolute shortest um but they're very good, and like when when they're not like super scary, they're experimental as hell like mm-hmm. and that's very interesting um he he's got he's got a story about the mask of the red Death that's just a lecture about the mask of the red Death, <laughs> so Aww. it's just like a he's got a he's got a zombie story that's actually written as a play and based mm-hmm. off Thornton Wilder's our town um you know he's got some pulpy stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got one that's kind of like a soft, uh, off of the, uh, fisherman era, or it could just be that he's obsessed with the cat skills, but I thought there was a connection there. Um, but it's a very good, like ghost story exorcism story. So called the stone mother.
0: So I, I, I like it quite a bit. Nice. Yes. Um, you know, when you mentioned the re- Mask of the Red Death, that uh, the, the film version of that uh, just popped up on Shudder. And for <laughs> some reason, I feel really inspired to watch it. I don't know why. I just think it would be... I mean, it's October. It's a good month for this. Uh, it's a good time to watch the Mask of the Red Death. Uh, 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 apropos of nothing. Yeah, breaking
1: uh, news. Uh, Chris yeah. Christie just kicked into the hospital as a precaution. As a precaution. Wow.
0: <laughs> we just yeah. dated this. Uh <laughs> But yeah, wouldn't,
1: fine. It, wouldn't it be nice to be able to check into a hospital as a precaution? Yeah, uh, yeah, I, an It'd
0: abundance be... of caution, really. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh... I hope they check into an abbey as a precaution. Just. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, but speaking of spooky reading, I've actually uh, f- uh, finished a novel uh, that was actually re- recommended to me a long time ago by Adam Scott Delancey, and I finally just got around to reading that. I, I found it in my stack of books, like, oh yeah. I should actually read this. Uh, you know how you buy books and you're like, I'll I'll read this. And then you never do. I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> you're definitely not looking at a big stack of books that you're. Maybe. You know. <laughs> uh, anyways, this is Radiant Dawn by Cody Goodfellow. Uh, this is um, part of a two part. It's a two novel series. I'll have to read part two, which is called Ravenous, Ravenous Dusk. Uh, but part one is very good. It's very Delta green. Um because basically, it's about a covert war fought between a conspiracy, well, a group that, that calls themselves the Mission, and uh, a, uh, uh, a group calling themselves Radiant Dawn, and uh, the people, the two POV characters or people who get caught between these two groups. Um, a former special forces guy who has Gulf War syndrome, and a nurse who has terminal cancer, um, and they find and. There's a lot of cool things about this novel. It's very, like, body horror, like, biological, like, <laughs> like, gross t- the things happening to people. Uh, but also because these two people who are not, like, you know, totally normal, like, the guys, former Special Forces, but, like, still seeing people from the outside, like, actually reacting to a Delta Green-style conspiracy. Like, oh, my God, you people are fucking nuts. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> like, um even after the Dr. Ring inspiration, no, we have to do this to save the world. Like we have to stop Radio Dawn. They're really bad. Like, yeah, <laughs> you guys are still fucking crazy though. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. uh that was pretty reassuring uh, uh and like lot going on between like the each of the group and then there's like the fbi guy trying to find because f- basically one of the exciting incidents of the novel is like the the the, the mission steals four thousand gallons of napalm or, like a massive <laughs> load of napalm they're like oh that's bad the government should find out what happened to that napalm and uh the yeah so um yeah it's it's, it's <laughs> uh if you like body horror if you like delta green type fiction uh rainy dawn is is quite enjoyable um and quite there's some really good like gross <laughs> scenes in it that i'm definitely gonna rip off for uh delta grade or something like that in the future um <laughs> but yeah uh it's it's quite fun um let's see here was there anything else um oh i had a movie um that's also on shutter uh it's a shutter exclusive right now called the beach house um which is a college age couple um that are kinda not so like the lake house uh Just well, have a love affair through time no there uh-huh. there are yeah, no, uh and it's by a beach, not by a lake, uh, it's uh-huh. so very different. Uh so this college-age couple shows up to the the guy's father's has a beach house and they're like, well, no one's there. Let's just go there and unwind for a while. And, they, and so they, they show up. But the father's uh middle-aged friends are also there. So like it's two couples who run each other in the same house and they're like, oh well, I guess we, the house is big enough for all of us. We could just share it. Um and then uh what happens is uh cosmic horror just rolls in on the beach, just like and uh yeah, so yeah. it's yeah. It's, it, out. Yeah, it's just I don't want to spoil anything, but like there's a really nice dinner conversation. Like it's actually well acted and like the 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 uh the, the beginning part is about these these people in these fraught relationships trying to get by. And um there's also a really good scene involving edibles. They were they're just like God, God you need to watch the invitation, man. If you want an awkward No, dinner... I did watch the invitation. Oh, you did finally? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, that that was really that good.
1: Because my favorite awkward dinner party turns into what you feel like.
0: <laughs> is happening at an awkward dinner party yeah yeah the invitation let's just put that in as another shout out if we uh <laughs> that movie i think that's
1: rules yeah no <laughs> uh,
0: i think i watched it with maddie yeah No. It was quite good uh, and i've certainly been at those kind of dinner parties before and oof 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 um but yeah they didn't turn out that bad but um yeah the beach house is is uh kind of a chill horror movie it's i mean it's 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 horrific, especially towards the end, but like yeah, it's it, there's not not really jump scares or anything like that it's It's more subtle, uh like a like a low budget annihilation in some ways, a little bit, so hmm. um yeah, I quite enjoyed it. Um, yeah yeah, so yeah, just some spoopy things for y'all, uh, so if people want to reach out to you, Caleb, uh you are uh, at Hebanon GCal on Twitter, I believe. Yep. And uh, of course the mix six uh, mm-hmm. go, go back at on Patreon and uh, go join their discord and uh, you know, ask questions, uh, do their surveys for their episodes and stuff like that. Um, and of course I'm also doing that night clerk radio. Uh, Burke and I are going to be doing an episode on John Carpenter's music pretty soon. Uh, so that'll be out hopefully before the end of the month. And um, uh, our next episode is, we just did an episode on dark jazz, you know, so very, very spooky. Uh, of course, we're going to go into more horrific music after that, which is music core, uh, which is a niche subgenre, even Vaporwave, but it's exactly what you think, Caleb. Do you know, you remember the, that MIDI music from GeoCities? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Imagine that as a genre of music, just like cool really excited <laughs> for it yeah it's it's a great episode uh we had a lot of good good fun talking about it um but yeah don't forget patreon.com rppr i am at ross payton on twitter um anything else you want to plug before we go caleb no no all right all right well thank you all for listening and uh we'll talk to you next time bye, bye.